Welcome to the Girl Gang Craft Podcast, where we dive in deep to all things business, wellness, creativity, and activism for artists and entrepreneurs. We talk with impactful, female-driven companies and founders for an inside look at the entrepreneurial experience, where you'll come away with tangible steps to elevate your business. Are you ready? I'm your host, Phoebe Sherman, founder of Girl Gang Craft, artist and designer and marketing obsessed. We're here to learn together how to expand our revenue, implement new organizational techniques, and cultivate best business practices as we work towards creating a life doing what we love. Let's get started. Hey, creatives. Before I introduce our amazing guest today, I want to talk about a couple of things. So first off, I just want to say that our very special announcement is coming up so soon, like like next week soon. So really let that excitement kick in and we will reveal it all shortly. Okay, next up, this podcast episode is all about taxes and bookkeeping. Can you guess our guest? If you are familiar with the GGC community, you probably guessed right. Jessie Susanna of Money Witch. Woohoo! So in this episode, we talk all about the nitty gritty, the details. But if you want to know more, Jessie Susanna has graced us with all the knowledge. She has created a course on all things taxes, bookkeeping, and biz structure. So seriously, this course personally helped me out so much. It is a crash course on the basics mixed in with magic for all you witchy babes. But no joke, this course is for you if you are a small business babe looking to get your finances in order. And Jessie Susanna really says it the best later in this episode. But if you want to take your business seriously, you have to take your finances seriously. I'm going to say that again. If you want to take your business seriously, you have to take your finances seriously. Otherwise, maybe your side hustle should remain a hobby. But babes, I can tell you from personal experience, getting those books done is hard mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, all of it. I all like schedule a bookkeeping day on my calendar and I'll do everything to avoid actually opening up my QuickBooks that day. But once I'm in it, like a calm sets over me because this is really how you handle your shit. I mean, for real. So here's the thing about bookkeeping and money and being a small business owner. You have to have your finances organized and neat so you can make decisions. Bookkeeping is all about figuring out which revenue streams are working for you and what aren't. So maybe you think a revenue stream is super abundant, but when you sit down with the numbers, you realize that you are spending tons on labor or marketing and that truly this other revenue source is doing much better. This is how we make business decisions. You've got to have all the numbers on the screen in front of you to really move forward in an empowered way. So let's start at the very beginning. Enroll in Money Witch's Business Coven course. And if you enroll before January 22nd, you get a copy of her Queen of Pentacles digital zine, which is all about budgeting through a tarot lens. I mean, so cool. So sign up at bit.ly slash GGC, all capitalized, times Money Witch. So GGC is capitalized and the M in Money Witch is capitalized. And we're going to, of course, link that in the show notes. So, and if you love this episode, please be sure to write a review on Apple Podcasts. It means the world to us. It keeps us in business and allows us to meet more entrepreneurs. And now for some juicy details from the money witch herself. Hello, creatives. We are back with podcast episode 17, our second one of 2021. And we have Jessie Susanna Carnett, aka the money witch, and she is back on our podcast. Jessie Susanna is an intuitive financial coach, small business alchemist, and tax preparer, bringing capitalism-critical financial education to clients in the Bay Area and online. She is an active member of the Girl Gang Craft community. She taught an amazing class at our in-person Small Business Summit 2019, plus she participated this year on our panel on money. So we last checked in with her personally on our second episode of the GGC podcast in early April 2020 at the beginning of this pandemic. We are so lucky to have her back on to talk about recouping losses, taxes, and more financial wellness practices. So welcome back to the Girl Gang Craft podcast, Jesse Susanna. Hi. So how are you? (laughs) Last time we talked in this medium, things from the pandemic had just barely started. How has your year been? And I know that's a big question. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's kind of a loaded question. I sort of in general, I'm like trying to stop asking that question. And I've come up with a couple alternatives. So one of them, which I always forget to ask, but love when I do remember is like, what themes have been trending for you lately? And then the other is just like, usually when people ask me that question, I'll just sort of say, you know, it's like, how are you? And like, I am experiencing the full range of human emotion every day. Yeah. I am all of that. Well, okay. So what themes that came up for you in 2020? (laughs) Oh my God. That is a good question. One I was prepared to ask, but not answer, but I probably could go. Okay. So I think that loss and grieving and healing deeper layers are probably the biggest themes that came up and permission to move more slowly and more holistically, maybe a little reevaluation of, of productivity and, and sort of like really focusing on understanding the way that I work and the way that my business is, my business works so that I can, yeah, create more with less effort, which, you know, we're always all trying to do that. So well, thank you for sharing that with us. I know that wasn't in our initial question. <laughs> okay. There's some, definitely some major themes. Some big stuff happened in the last year. Do you mind telling us what was like the hardest thing wrapping your head around the past year? Maybe for your business or your personal life, whichever you'd like to share. Yeah. I mean, to be completely honest, I had two partners when the pandemic started and I went through breakups with both of them within the first like two months of the pandemic. So that was like, just re- in reality, that was the hardest thing I dealt with all year. Um, it was really challenging. And then I'm going to say, I think like outside of that, definitely having to dig in and do a deeper layer of racial healing work for myself just in terms of exploring shame and my own ways that I like internalize and embody white supremacy and just really like did a kind of lot of deep diving on that this year in some ways that were like very, very painful for me personally. But, but I also feel like it was a gift that I like received this year as well. So I feel like this year were just like a lot of really deep emotional work, which is kind of like, was the hard thing and also the silver lining about the year in that way that like hard work can just be, you know, when you, when you go through it, like you do get a prize for it. Right. Yeah. I had set up this question in such binary terms and you completely deconstructed the question itself, which I love. I mean, absolutely. I think that's exactly what 2020 was about is this deep work that is hard, but also yield the beautiful, more, I don't know why I want to say round, but more, I guess, holistic results. So thank you for turning those binary questions on their sides. I appreciate that. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like I see a lot of people like taking their holistic, yeah, taking holistic experience within their business or within the way they do work a lot more seriously. I think it's really like come up way more just like people being like, I'm actually really going to slow down and take care of myself and like really explore what that looks like, really explore my relationship to work and to my business. And like, you know, all of these ideas of like productivity and capitalism and, you know, value and self-esteem and self-worth and, you know, social dynamics and It's just like really, I don't know, there's just been a lot of different vantage points for us to grapple with in the last year. And I, I do think that a lot of good has come out of the grappling that everyone has been invited into, you know, I think a lot of people have taken that invitation. And, you know, I'm sure some people haven't. Yeah. I mean, even just the simple, this idea of work-life balance, if you will, which, you know, some people maybe think is an outdated term, but, you know, there's, we're all within the confines of our home all the time and everything lives there, you know, all of our reactions to 
everything now lives within these walls, you know, if we have a space or if we're not going into work. So really just sitting with all those layers of stuff, if you will, and sort of swimming through it and figuring out how to move forward and exist in that space is it's a lot. Yeah, I think it really has like invited a lot of us to do you know, it's invited a lot of us to have some sort of existential crisis. And I feel like there is benefit to that, you know? Yeah, like if we're going to pull in tarot to this, you know, definitely a tower card year, but what exists on the other side of that? Mm -hmm. And also like, you know, with that tower card, you're always looking at like, you know, what were the structures that are just not serving? You know, what are the structures that we're not serving? What were the structures that you had kind of like hacked together to get your needs met? And, you know, is there a more holistic version of the systems? Like, you know, I mean, also like bringing the astrology in, right? We just moved from Saturn. Saturn was in Capricorn for the last, like, let's say two and a half-ish years. And we just moved into Saturn in Aquarius, but over the last few years, like we've really all been getting kind of required to level up in terms of the structures that we have built within our lives. Like what are the structures that we have built within our lives and like, how do those structures support everything else about our life? And I feel like this was like a huge iteration of that kind of coping mechanisms were like gluing the structures of our lives together and just really getting a chance to like pull it apart, see it deconstructed in a way that like we would just never have gotten the opportunity to do if it wasn't for such extreme circumstances. Yeah. Wow. We could just, we could just, I know it could be a whole hour. (laughs) All the questions I had that are like the exact opposite of this conversation. (laughs) We'll just have to have you come on the podcast every other week. (laughs) Totally. Totally. Okay. I guess let's talk more about structure and the structures of capitalism and this world that we live in. Oh, actually, first though, how is your book process going? Oh my God. (laughs) Okay. So I finally... I'm done-ish with writing the book. I'm going to get one more pass at things. Like they're going to come back from the editor and the copy editor. And then that's that. So it has been a massive journey. I have learned a ton. I could do an entire episode about negotiating a book deal, writing a book, like the creative process, the business process. Like I've just learned a ton. And I'm really grateful for that experience. And I'm definitely like ready to be done with it and see it like move its way out because it takes a long time too. It's really, the book won't be out for like almost a year from now. And how did it feel to to birth this book? It felt good. I definitely, I noticed that I have kind of leveled up in my ability to write in, you know, across the board. And then now that's coming across in, you know, all the little bits of pieces of writing that you have to do for your business, right? Sales copy, product labels, all of those things. I feel like I'm just, you know, emails. I feel like I'm like knocking out writing in a way, different way now that feels like I feel more skilled at it. And, and I'm really appreciating that aspect. So I feel like, you know, I worked hard on the process of the book. It feels good to get the information out. It was really interesting to me to take information from a workshop because essentially the book is based on a workshop that I teach called Heal Your Finances. So, and I've been teaching that workshop in person for probably four years And then I just put out an online version of it as well. And it was really interesting to translate it into a book format and just understand like what information needed to be different or how it needed to be built different to fit into a different format. And I think that's one of the really interesting things that happens, you know, within our small businesses that is part of the creative process of having a business. I really, for me, a lot of my creative process gets expressed through my business, 
whether that's like making products or writing or, you know, just inspiration to do different things, the visual aesthetic, all those different things. And I think it's always interesting and an exciting part of the creative process to sort of figure out like, how does your message and your knowledge translate to a completely different, essentially business medium, I guess. Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed that part of the book. Yeah. Well, that's so exciting and congrats. And of course I can't wait to read it and maybe we'll have to have you on again to announce the book. Yeah, that'll be exactly. It'll be next year at this time. So it'll be perfect. Start all of our podcast uh, years going forward. (laughs) Excellent. Fabulous. Annual. Okay. Well, so let's move on to some of these structures. So today we're going to talk a little bit more about taxes and bookkeeping. And I know that this is A, something that people ask for all the time, and B, it can be emotionally loaded. And I know that's your specialty to talk about some of the emotional and spiritual experiences in regards to bookkeeping, but we're going to mostly focus on some of like the tangible nitty gritty, if you will. Mm -hmm. So can you define what bookkeeping is for us? Sure. I think it's so important to really have the definitions because I think a lot of small business people think of bookkeeping Like if you have a small business, you're like, oh yeah, bookkeeping. That's a thing that I know I need to be doing. But I don't think that people, even sometimes when you're actively doing it, I don't know if people actually have a theoretical grasp on like exactly what it is. And having that grasp, having that context is going to help you not only get motivated to do it, but also contextualize, you know, what it can do for you and like why you should be doing it. And help you, therefore, figure out basically if you're doing it right, right? Like, are you doing everything that you should be doing? If you're referencing all of your actions, all of your kind of like bookkeeping actions towards a purpose, I think it's way easier to figure that out. So I definitely like appreciate, you know, at that question, like, what is the, the definition of bookkeeping? So bookkeeping is three action steps. The first one is noticing and recording the details of every financial transaction that takes place in your business. And a transaction is like money in, money out, or money change, like transfers. So essentially, like if money moves, then we want the de- a certain set of details, like the date, how much, from what account to what account, some things like that, right? Like basically everything that's on a receipt. That's why receipts are such a traditional part of bookkeeping is because they are essentially like a snapshot of the information that we want to capture in that moment. So we're going to notice every transaction. We're going to snapshot the information. Then we want to pair it with its purpose for our business, basically like put it in a category, you know, so that might be an income category. Oh, this was income from workshops. This was income from client sessions. This was income from, you know, package deals versus individual sessions. This is income from necklaces versus earrings, like whatever your thing is, right? And then, or it could be an expense category, which might be like, this was continuing education. This was cost of goods sold. So we're going to, you know, we're going to put it in a category. And then the third thing that bookkeeping is, is basically like, if you have done those first two steps, then you'll have all the information you need to synthesize the data to answer questions for yourself. So a question might be like, you know, I mean, a really topical question, right, is like, and I know we're going to talk later about these PPP loans that people kind of got this year or and maybe are going to pull again. But, you know, one of the questions is like, you're eligible for PPP if your income dropped in any quarter in 2020 compared to 2019. So the question, like a bookkeeping question, if you have that information all tracked, then you're going to be able to synthesize that information, get the answer to that question. Okay, you know, how much income did I have in quarter three, 2020? How much income did I have in quarter three, 2019? And you'll be able to pull that comparison and see if it was a, a low enough, enough of a drop to qualify for the PPP forgiveness. Okay. Awesome. And then so what is a deduction? And what does a write off mean? Are those two things? 
Okay. Yeah. I mean, they're the same thing. A deduction and a write-off is the same thing. Write-off is just like a little, it's kind of like a, you know, slang pop culture term for a deduction. And basically those are your expenses. So they are the expenses that you have in your business that the IRS also agrees are you know, eligible expenses that they can be eligible to reduce your profit. So on your tax form, on your tax return, you're doing something very similar to what you're doing on your profit and loss, which is, you know, within your bookkeeping system, which is basically saying, you know, here's all my income, here's all my expenses. So if we say income minus expenses equals profit. So the deductions are basically all of the expenses that the IRS says are qualified to reduce your profit and therefore your taxable uh, number on your tax return. And what programs do you use for bookkeeping? I tend to recommend the QuickBooks programs. I've kind of gone through some different cycles for a while. I was like off the QuickBooks, but I think that they have made efforts to improve their product. So I would say at this point, you know, my my general recommendation is to use either QuickBooks online or QuickBooks self-employed. And I do think something of note is that the way that the programs are organized, the software is organized, they are two separate programs. So QuickBooks self-employed is a particular software and a particular program. And then like all the other QuickBooks online versions are like a, a second program. And that one has basically just sort of different packages, different price points that you can start at depending on what you need. I think that the cheapest one, I think it's called Simple Start, is enough for almost everybody in small business, even though QuickBooks will definitely try to pull you into buying the more expensive one by, you know, advertising like, oh, this one is the most, you know, it's like the $20, the $25 one is the starting point. And that's the one that I think most people need, but they, you know, highlight the $50 one and say like, well, this is the one that most people get. But I think the fact that they say that that's the one that most people get encourages more people to get that one, you know? Totally. Yeah. I think I use the, like the $40 one, but we have a lot of multiple revenue streams and I think you can have like journal entries on that. So you can like add in things yourself. Anyways, I do know for a fact that like the self-employed one being separate is like a whole, it's like a whole pain because that data like won't transfer properly if you decide to upgrade. That's the most important thing to understand about it is that you can't pull that data into regular QuickBooks. So if you are going to step up, I wouldn't let that be deterrent from stepping up if you need to go into a stepped up version, but I would definitely be careful. I feel like it's good if you're going to switch, I would switch on a quarter or a half, you know, or on a year, right? So it's like, okay, start using, you know, if you want to, if you've been thinking about leveling up, you know, to out of QuickBooks self-employed to the full QuickBooks online, like January 1st is a good time to do that because it'll just be like, okay, you know, 2020 and before is in this one program. I have those files. And then I know that like all of 2021 is in the newer, you know, upgraded version. Totally. And that's what I did in 2019. And just for an example of what's difficult about it, just because it might be important to some people, like I have all my data, I got my tax returns sent in. But some of the things right now that they're asking for PPP, some of these grants, etc, are looking at the quarters. And I don't have all that quarter revenue info. It's just, it's just sort of been lumped into a year from my tax returns. Yeah, data was sort of lost. And that has been a little problematic for me to try and figure out some of this opportunities. QuickBooks Self-Employed is a great program to start with. And it's the best if you are using one bank account for business and personal. Helpful. Yes. Okay, so what is that first tax related due date that is coming up? Okay. The first tax related due date is very soon after the launch date of this episode. It's January 31st. And that is the date that 1099s are due to anyone who did 600 or more dollars worth of work for you 
as a kind of like contractor or service provider in 2020? Yeah. So if you are a small business, right, and you have contractors or, you know, sometimes you're like web designer would be a contractor or whatever that is up by the end of this year. And yeah, exactly. So like a ver- like a assistant, a virtual assistant, if you have somebody who, you know, does some of the production of your products for you, a designer, a producer, an attorney, an accountant, most of those people need a 1099. If they are a corporation, then you don't have to issue them a 1099. But if they're an LLC or a sole proprietor or just a con- you know contractor of any sort, then you do need to issue that. And this year, it's not the 1099 MISC, the 1099 miscellaneous form anymore that we're using for that. It's a new form, well, a new old form called the 1099 NEC, which stands for non-employee compensation. And why is that a new form this year? My guess is that it has to do with all of the kind of like legal battles that are happening over the rise of contractor labor, you know, all the kind of like gig economy jobs. I mean, you have to imagine just from the IRS perspective, like the number of people who are contractors instead of employees has probably, I don't know the numbers, but I would imagine like at least doubled in the last, you know, five years or so. Because it's just become so much more common, especially from these larger, you know, companies, corporations, all the ride share, all the delivery, you know, all of that stuff going on to contractor form. So my guess is that they're just sort of trying to like pull the classifications apart a little bit for themselves. And NEC is a form that was used in the 1980s, but like for some reason had gone out of usage for a while. But my guess would just be like, there's a larger number and they're trying to classify it down a little more specifically. Interesting. That's a whole other conversation. I know. It's a whole other conversation. This whole 1099s versus employee method, et cetera. So let's talk business structure. I do want to say that the next podcast episode will be with me talking through some of these ways to make your business legit, such as a fictitious name statement, getting a business, bank account, et cetera. But I do want to talk about with you about business structure and talk specifically about this LLC versus sole proprietor business structure. And also a little bit about the S-Corp as a tax structure as well. Sure. So one caveat that I always say is that, you know, the business structure is at its core, it's a legal issue. And I am not a lawyer. So I always just sort of like to caveat with that. But I can kind of skill share. And from a tax perspective, like what are the tax implications of the different methods? So the sole proprietor is essentially the default, or you can actually register your business as a sole proprietor, if you are getting a business license or doing fictitious business, any of those things that you're going to talk about in this episode. So sole proprietor is the default though. Like if you're, you know, quote unquote, nothing, then you're a sole proprietor. If you have not done paperwork with your state, because all corporate contracts, right? Business structure, corporate contracts are between you and the actual state that you live in. So if you have not done that, then you are a sole proprietor. If you are going to put in that paperwork, then there's, you know, a few other options. So it goes LLC and then S Corp and C Corp. Most people who are running small businesses are not looking at a C Corp model, nor is it going to be beneficial. So I don't even really think about it. So for small business, we're talking sole proprietor, LLC, S Corporation. A lot of people go for the LLC for a lot of different reasons. I think like, you know, there are some things that it can do for you. I don't actually think the LLC does that much or offers that much legal protection when you come down to it. But it is like you were saying, it airs adds a little air of legitimacy, governmental legitimacy, if that is something that either on a practical level, like, you know, you want that for clients to look a little bit more legitimate, 
or you want that on almost like emotional level, you know, to feel legitimate. I think that's like a lot of the reason that people do LLCs. So there's LLC and then there's S Corp. So the deal is that LLC is not a tax delineation. So if you are an LLC, you are either as a default getting taxed as a sole proprietor, or you can file a petition with the IRS to get granted S-Corp taxation status. So in terms of legal structure, sole prop, LLC, S-Corp, but in terms of taxes, there's basically only sole proprietor or S-Corp taxes. So the question is, how do you know when it makes sense for you, for instance, like how, how do you know when it makes sense for you to be taxed as an S-Corp rather than a sole proprietor? So in the past, it's been at about 50,000 profit, right? So that's that income minus expenses. So that net, that profit line on your tax form, Schedule C, when you were hitting about 50,000, then that would be the time that you might start to be see a little bit of benefit from the S Corp. That's like the time when you would kind of be like, oh, maybe, you know, maybe next year is the year. But with the kind of temporary Trump tax paradigm that we're in, there is that additional small business credit that people get. And it really changes like the time when it becomes beneficial. So my good CPA friend is saying she really thinks now it's at about 100,000 profit, as long as we are under this new paradigm with the additional small business tax credit. Okay, that's very helpful. And because S-Corp, you take your salary out, right? And that part's not taxed. Is that how that works? Yeah. So with an S-Corp, you get paid out from the business in two different ways. You get paid as an employee of the business and you get paid just for being the owner of the business. And that is seen as essentially like a capital distribution, right? So it's like, for ownership, not for your labor. And all taxes that are for labor or all wages that are for labor are, you have to pay Medicare and social security taxes on. And that's what that, you know, self-employment tax, that's what self-employment tax is, Medicare and social security. So basically, you know, the real boring details of it is with the S-Corp, some of the money that you pull out of your business will not have the Medicare and social security taxes attached to it. And when the amount of tax that you will save doing that becomes bigger than the expense of having the S-Corp is like when that tipping point comes. That's the like real nerd explanation. I love that. That's so helpful for me personally as well. So thank you for that. I appreciate that. (laughs) And just one more thing about LLC too. So, you know, I'm still a sole proprietor and I've been sort of I keep on thinking maybe it makes sense to be LLC. And it just seems to come down to liability. And so is what I'm sort of experiencing for my business, at least. And, you know, there are also other ways to protect your liability right through insurance. And at least one of my decisions is I think I will LLC when I have more personal assets, right? Because it separates the business from you. So if I buy a house, like, Absolutely. That probably makes sense. But right now I don't have very many assets. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that that's like a very legit thing, right? So the, you know, LLC is like limited liability and it has to do with like, basically, essentially, if there's any sort of legal action against your business, is your business being seen as a separate entity than you personal, you know? So it's like, can can an action against you impact your personal assets or only the assets of the business? But to be honest, a lot of the things that we even imagine having an LLC would protect us against aren't even relevant because if you are the person in the business who did the thing that the lawsuit is about, then you can personally also be liable. So I really recommend, I'm a big pusher on, in terms of business structure, 
I see a lot of people get pushed by attorneys and CPAs to become an S Corp or become an LLC both earlier than they need to and just sort of like unnecessarily. And I think that if you're going to make that decision, I would talk to a lawyer and I would really push them to give you clarity. Like what exactly would this give me protection from? Like really exactly, right? And like you're saying, like break it down. Like in your case, you know, like what are you concerned about, right? Like, is it like if somebody came to an event and then, you know, whatever happens, God forbid, which is not going to happen, like, you know, and I owned a house, like what would happen, right? Like I would really, I encourage people to get with a lawyer. If you're going to create a different business structure, get with a lawyer and really like ask them to explain it in specific terms, because I feel like a lot of lawyers are just like, oh, it's going to protect your liability. It's going to protect your personal assets. But once you start really breaking it down, the liability protection is not even as good as it seems. So, I mean, also people form legal structures for other reasons as well. You know, like some people are like, oh, I just work in this industry and people only want to pay an LLC. I'm like, okay, that's a reason to form an LLC. But if your reason is asset protection, I would get some like very clear details on what specifically that would look like in your exact situation. For you listeners out there, I have lots of construction going on. So if you hear a beeping, that just may continue the rest of this podcast season. So, (laughs) okay. But anyways, yeah, I think that's a really good point. I'm also sort of of the team sole proprietor, if you will. Yeah, I love a sole proprietor. (laughs) There's like... You just don't have to do, there's a lot less bureaucracy, honestly. And it's like $800 a year extra in California specifically. Exactly. And, you know, people do stuff, right? Like incorporate in a different state, you know, that's cheaper. But honestly, that stuff, it's kind of irrelevant. Like if you are operating in a state, that state wants you, like basically, even if you lived in another state and did business in California, they still want that $800. And California doesn't care that you started your LLC in Delaware where it costs $5 or whatever, you know, they still want that $800. Yeah, absolutely. Again, back to the liability thing too. Yeah, there are other insurance things like we get event insurance, for instance. My sister had a business that was like a letter board and she was an LLC because she was worried about, you know, kids eating the small little pirates or whatever. So that seemed to make sense for her. So yeah, exactly. Thinking about what makes sense for your business and your assets and really doing the research about this instead of just hopping one way or the other. And again, yeah, if LLC like feels good to you or looks good, absolutely understand that. If that looks better for investors, for instance. Right. Totally makes sense. Yeah, like, you know, for some people, it's just like that feels you know, I mean, we could say more of a legitimate, like I would sort of say like, it seems fancier, you know, <laughs> like it's like, it's fancier to be an LLC or it's fancier to be an S-Corp. And sometimes that feels good. You know, like if it makes you feel like more of a business babe to just be like, oh, my business LLC, you know, and that feels good. And that's worth 800 bucks a year to you. Like go for it. Totally. Also, I know like a lot of people sort of maybe in the, like the wellness or nutrition or working with food, maybe want to like have that extra layer of liability too. So that's another, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the moral of the story is just like, make sure it makes sense and that you have like the real information in detail about what it could do for you in your particular situation, rather than just kind of like this assumption of like, oh, this is going to protect me. You know, like, I'm just like, well, it could like figure out like what it is that you're even looking for protection from. And then like, if that tool is going to offer you protection from that specific thing. Totally. Okay. Let's move on from, let's move on from LLC. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. They're totally. I mean, the moral of the story is just don't like become an LLC or an escort because some like guy was like, you should become an LLC, you know, or like. I don't know. I just feel like I see a lot of that. Don't just listen to some guy about anything, too. (laughs) About anything. About anything. Like, just in case we need another (laughs) reminder, like, just 
don't, you know? Okay, so this was a fun fact that I've seen that I saw you post about and I don't know, a couple other people. So there's a random tax law in 2021 and 2022 that you can t- now deduct 100% of your business meals instead of 50%. What is up with that? I truly have no idea. Like, I don't, I don't know why. It's, you know, the new stimulus bill, I think it came through in this like most recent stimulus bill. And the new stimulus bill is like, I don't know if you've seen it, but it's 5,000 something pages long. And, you know, even though like the most clear things about it are like everyone's getting $600 checks and there's more PPP and there's a few other things, but there's also like 5,000 more pages of stuff in there. So it's like one of the little special things that, you know, somebody in Congress wanted to lobby for, for some sort of reason. And then it ended up going through. So yeah, 100% of your business meals. I know a lot of us will are probably traveling quite a bit less and eating out quite a bit less for work than we maybe were in, you know, 2019 and before. So who knows, you know, but maybe by 2022, we'll be able to business travel again. And then somehow we can live it up on that one. So yeah, let's just talk about biz meals then, because I think that's, definitely important for pandemic times. Like, so for instance, let's say Hannah's over here who works for Girl Gang Craft and she's here in the backyard and we're doing social distancing and we grab takeout and we're talking business. Is that a business meal? Yes. Yes, it is. I mean, a lot of what makes something a business meal is the fact that you had it with somebody else for business reasons. So if you... It's not if you buy takeout for yourself during your... Exactly. If you were just in the backyard doing, you know, working on your social media stuff and you order takeout by yourself, no, not deductible. But if you do it with a contractor, a client, you know, a potential client, a mentor, a colleague, anything like that, then it becomes a business meal. So same for those coffees, then you kind of need two coffees to deduct it. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Okay, it's the, it's the friend. It's the business friend that makes it a business meal. Yeah. Okay. That's helpful. Okay. Let's talk PPP and employment. So, and taxes and how that sort of works into it, because I know that unemployment will be taxed. Some of us have withheld our taxes, right? From going like, They've just kept the tax part of the unemployment and we got it, the rest dumped into our bank account. And some of us were like, please give me all that money right now. So what is that going to look like at the end of the year? And well, let's talk unemployment and then we can go to PPP. So what kind of form is that going to be? Tell us about that. It's a 1099 form called the 1099G that is for a government payment. So it's like basically you'll get a 1099 saying the government payment that you got and there's a specific line for it on the tax return. And, you know, on that form, it will also report just like your W-2 or your 1099 if any federal and or state income tax was already withheld. So... If you are paying business taxes quarterly, I guess, were you supposed to be paying your unemployment taxes quarterly if that's, if you're maybe getting PUA? Yeah. I mean, you know, the best thing that you can do, honestly, or it's not even the best thing, right? I would say the most conservative thing you could do, the most conservative thing you could do is just have it deducted from your taxes or, you know, or from your checks when you were getting the distributions. If you didn't go for that, then paying it on quarterly taxes. Quarterly taxes are actually not just for small business babes. Quarterly taxes are also for anyone who has income coming in that taxes aren't getting taken out of, right? So, you know, if you are pulling money from like a trust account or you're making most of your money off investments or, you know, any other situation where you're like not having taxes pulled out, you should be paying quarterly taxes. So it is, I would say most conservative best practice. Yes. You know, paying the taxes as you go on that income would have been your best strategy. 
But, you know, at this point in the year where it's basically time to just file and see what the damage is, you know, there's not much that you can do about it at this point. I mean, you can go ahead and make a quarter. Quarterly payments are just estimated taxes with quarterly due dates, but you can get estimated tax payment at any time. So for example, if you're listening to this podcast, it's the end of January, it's February, you know, whenever you're listening and you know oh, I probably owe some money, but I'm not going to file my taxes until April, or I already know I'm going to file an extension and pay like later and, you know, file later in the year, you can go ahead and make an estimated tax payment still for 2020 up until the April 15th due date. Okay, totally. So then in terms of PPP, right, will PPP be taxed? What does that forgiveness look like? I don't know if you want to go super into that, but maybe just talk a little bit about that process. So there's back and forth on all the PPP, but where things stand right now, PPP will not be taxed as income and you will be allowed to keep the deductions that you paid with the PPP money. So there was, you know, the original instruction on that is that that was not going to be able to happen, that anything that you pay with a PPP loan, you know, if it was forgiven, that that would not be a tax write-off. It was a thing a lot of people were upset about. Although for me personally, I feel like that feels fair. It makes sense to me. You know what I'm saying? Like you basically like paid for the deduction with free money. So it wasn't really a deduction, but you know, that's neither here nor there. So At this point, they are allowing you to write off anything that you bought for your business this year, regardless of whether the money that you used to pay for it came from PPP or not. Cool. Okay. And so there's another PPP coming up. There is. It is going to open PPP 2.0 season opens January 11th. And... It seems likely that this PPP application cycle will be more easeful for people just because a lot of the details have already been worked out. Whereas previously, you know, any of us with small businesses know in that first realm, like sole proprietors, et cetera, really struggled because they didn't even, they basically put out the instruction about how to get PPP money on the same day that that first round of PPP money ran out. So it just like wasn't even clear. How do you get it? Who do you get it from? And then, you know, I mean, all this stuff feels like it happened a million years ago, but it wasn't that long ago when they allowed like these financial tech companies like, you know, Square, QuickBooks, the companies that a lot of small businesses are working with anyway to be lenders for PPP. So that's already established. You know, we know what numbers we have to look at to see like what our eligibility is. All of that stuff is clear. So, you know, at this point, it's like basically you need your 2020 bookkeeping tight so that you can be prepared for an application process. But if you have your 2020 bookkeeping, I mean, you really need your 2019 bookkeeping, like we were saying, and your 2020 bookkeeping broken down quarterly. That would be best case scenario. But just having your 2020 bookkeeping tight is what you're going to need for that application process. The more incentive to try and get that wrapped up as soon as possible first. Yeah. I mean, I really felt that at the beginning, you know, when we were going into the pandemic stuff, there was just so many times where it's like, you know, I spend a lot of my time professionally just being like, Hey guys, maybe you should do your bookkeeping. You know what I mean? Or like, maybe you should plan for taxes. And all of a sudden, I just felt like there was a lot of like, okay, here's another like real life example of like, if you don't have your stuff organized, like sometimes it just comes to bite you in the ass, right? So it's like, if you didn't have your taxes filed, if you didn't have bookkeeping, if you didn't have these numbers, if you, you know, if you were not paying into social security, all these different like kind of optional or like unemployment compensation, all these programs that were like, oh, these are optional things that I could be paying into with the state and kind of like handling my business as a small business in a in a more institutional way. Like all of that stuff, I feel like, you know, kind of 
came back to slap a lot of people in the face, honestly. Can we quickly just go back to the forgiveness part of PPP? Absolutely. What does that look like? (laughs) So the forgiveness process happens through your individual lender. So it looks different for, you know, almost everybody because there was a lot of small lenders. I do think probably a lot of folks listening to this podcast, you know, got their loan through a one of these fintech companies, right? Like financial tech companies. But your particular lender issues the requirements for you that they have created based on, you know, the federal guidelines, like they're in compliance with the federal guidelines. And the the amount that can be forgiven is delineated by federal guideline. Because basically the forgiveness is like, you know, your lender loaned you a certain amount of money. And then the federal government is saying, you know, the forgiveness is not a real forgiveness. What it is, is basically like the federal government will pay back part of your loan for you to your specific lender. So the application process is pretty extensive in terms of, you know, wanting a lot of the same numbers, honestly, that you needed to even get the loan in the first place. But for sole proprietors and LLCs getting taxed as sole proprietors, that number is, again, based on Schedule C and what your profit was and your profit divided by 52, which makes gives you kind of like a weekly, like your profit for the year of 2020 and your profit for the year of 2019, each of those divided by 52 gives you essentially your weekly payroll for yourself, for your business. And then your forgiveness amount is going to be based on that. Cool. That is all very helpful. Okay. So what advice do you have for these new and not so new business owners who just sort of hear all this jargon and seize up a little bit or shut down the computer or like, nope. (laughs) What advice do you have for them? I mean, that is overwhelm, right? And it's sort of like avoidance that is activated by overwhelm. And number one on avoidance, like None of these things go away if you ignore them. This is the financial part of doing business, right? A lot of business folks get into business because we're really great at whatever like service or product we create. And we might be a person who wants to work a little bit outside the margins for whatever reason. And, you know, we don't like working for somebody else. We want to kind of like own our means of production. And so we're like, okay, I'm going to have my own business. But running a business is a whole job and it involves so many different roles, you know, so you're the CEO and you're also the CFO, right? The chief financial officer of your business. And you have to be taking charge of the finances of your business. This is how you're going to get paid. And another thing I like to say really is like, you know, people are allowed to have hobbies, Just because you like to knit scarves and people were like, you should start a business five times, like doesn't mean you have to do it. Only have a business if you want to sell things and you want to make money. You want that to be how you're making money. If your business is a business designed to make you money rather than just a thing that you enjoy doing, a hobby essentially, then take it seriously that its purpose is to make you money. And you've, you know, this is, these are the pieces of how your business makes you money. So, I mean, having that, like basically being like, you have to do this is not necessarily a strategy for the overwhelm, but it is something to consider. And I think just like, you can do it. You can do all of these things. And it's totally normal for it to take a handful of years for you to get them all set up in place. You know, like Phoebe, you and I are both people who have been in business for at least several years, right? And we're both still being like, oh, okay. You know, like you're saying like, well, I'm still considering like when I should become an LLC or, you know, I'm still 
making sure that I make all my quarterly payments every year. So you don't have to have it perfect all at the beginning, but do start acquainting yourself and getting intimate and some literacy about some of these things and just accept that it's a part of running a small business to continue to build that information base for yourself as you continue to be in business. Like the financial literacy on a business level side is also part of the business. That was so eloquent. Thank you for that. (laughs) Okay. So what, like, what advice do you have for business owners in general as we move into 2021 with more uncertainty? I think flexibility is key. We all have recognized that, you know, to whatever extent that that is easy for us or not. But flexibility, resilience, which just means like, you know, the capacity to experience things that are, that are hard and kind of get through it, have a tool set for getting through it and keep moving forward. And I think that an assessment, like a strategic assessment of which anyone who had a small business through 2020 has already done this, whether they've done it specifically or not, but just looking at your business, like, you know, how crisis proof is your business, you know, is what you do or make very specific to things being a certain way. And then what happens if it changes, you know, how rigid is the structure of your business? How rigid are the offerings of your business? And just sort of cultivating you know, cultivating that flexibility so that you have a hustle no matter what is happening, essentially. Yes, 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 yes to all of that. I just want to add, I think 2020 was an opportunity for experimentation as well. And that sort of goes hand in hand with the flexibility, right? This sort of throwing spaghetti at the wall situation that we all, that some of us went through. I mean, you know, I did. I, I run an events business. And also the like ability to do things imperfectly. And I think there is some merit in just trying all these things and allowing these things to be imperfect. And I think as a society, we had more like space and acceptance for all of that, even though we really all have a lot of space and acceptance for that normally. But particularly now, I think there is more space for that imperfect creativity or that imperfect manifestation of whatever you're doing. And I think that there is some freedom in that. So I just wanted to add that. Yeah, I think that it goes back also to that holisticness that we were talking about that people are considering their business with like more of a holistic lens, but also just more of a human lens. You know, I did a thing... This year, I had opened up a bunch of coaching sessions towards the end of the year. I hadn't had any available all year. And then I opened a bunch up and I, you know, filled them and I was seeing my clients. And then I started having this thing happen where I was actually being on video specifically for extensive amount of hours is like really hurting my eyes. And I felt it was hard for me, but I had to, you know, I emailed my last whatever, you know, 510 clients and just said, like, I actually need to reschedule your appointments and space them out more. And, you know, instead of saying like, oh, I'm having an emergency or I'm blah, blah, blah. I just was really honest. Like, it's just hurting my eyes too much to be on video that much. And I just can't honor your appointment. And I was very transparent in the email. I said, like, this is uncomfortable for me, like on a professional level. But I just think we're at a point where we have to be honest about the imperfections, like you're saying, like, it's okay to be imperfect, you know? And I think that that was a gift of this year. Yeah, I think that like transparency from business to customer is super important and super welcome. And I think people have more space for that, too. So I'm I'm glad that and I'm sure you received I'm sure people were totally understood you. It totally did. You know, and it's like, I think only one person didn't reschedule, which, you know, and it wasn't an indictment of my behavior. It was just sort of like things got a little loosey-goosey with them. So, okay. 
What are these retreats that you're offering at the end of this month? Oh, yeah. I did not do any retreats in 2020, but I had done a January like New Year retreat in 2019 in person, and I really loved it. So I wanted to kind of bring that idea back. And we've all been doing so much creative envisioning about, you know, online events this year, essentially, that it was just kind of cool to explore, like, what did I want to offer in terms of like an online event platform? So I'm doing two events. They're going to be coming up very soon after the issuing of this episode. One is January 24th. One is January 27th. And one, the first one on the 24th, Sunday, the 24th is for everyone. It's an individual finance, personal finance retreat. It's called Queen of Pentacles retreat based on the tarot archetype of the Queen of Pentacles. And it is based on a zine that I put out this year that's about leveraging the archetype of the Queen of Pentacles to cultivate financial maturity, like with excitement, like make financial maturity sexy, basically, in our lives. And we're going to talk about budgeting, we're going to talk about some kind of like deep inner child, you know, personal finance ideas that I have been working on in order to help people create healing in their financial lives. We're going to do some, you know, New Year's financial goal setting. And then on the 27th, I'm doing one called Business Coven that is based on a similar premise as my or a similar clientele, I guess, as community as my online course Business Coven that is for business babes to just take some space, like take a day putting their financial pieces in order to set up a really positive and successful rest of the year, right? So really like making commitments, scheduling some dates for paying your quarterly taxes for, you know, getting your bookkeeping done, making some commitments to when are you going to have your 2020 stuff cleaned up so that you can file your 2020 taxes and just getting questions answered, making sure you're starting the year off in a really positive and kind of like energetically blessed way. So I'm just really happy to hold space in both of those events for people to just sit with financial, the financial part of their life for a day at the beginning of the year to just sort of like set that path up for success for the rest of the year. Amazing. Sounds so great. And then we have your course available until, well, the course will always be offered, but we have a special deal until um, January 22nd at midnight with the course, the Business Coven course. You also get the Queen of Pentacles zine that you had just been talking about. Can you talk a little bit about the Business Coven course and also a little bit about the digital zine that will be coming if you order from January 8th through January 22nd? Absolutely. So the course Business Coven is the more fleshed out version of what we were talking about on the podcast today. So I always like to hearken back to Blockbuster Video of a youth and they used to have the shelf that's like, if you liked this, you'll love, you know, whatever. So if you liked this conversation that Phoebe and I were having today and you got some benefit out of it, you feel like you had an aha moment, it helped you realize something or you got a question answered that you have been kind of seeking an answer for, then Business Coven is absolutely for you. It is a holistic and human and, you know, spiritually and emotionally present course for small business people on bookkeeping, accounting, business banking, you know, legal structure, quarterly taxes, all of these things that we've touched on. It's like a really accessible and warm way, I think, to get that information. The Queen of Pentacles digital zine that we're going to be sending to everybody who orders the course via the Girl Gang Craft promotion this month is, I mean, first of all, it's huge. Like my my designer and I went back and forth, like, is it a book? Is it a zine? And I said, you know, I guess I, I like zine culture. So I just said, okay, it's still going to be a zine, but... I think it's, you know, 50 something pages long. It is about budgeting 
using tarot as an access point. So I sort of say it's using tarot as the like spoonful of sugar to have the conversation about budgeting. So there is articles in there about the Queen of Pentacles archetype and really digging into that earthy financial material success archetype that she represents. And there's a tarot spread that I wrote for the zine. There are articles written by three different tarot practitioners that I love about their relationship to the Queen of Pentacles card. And then there is a big article about budgeting and there are some spreadsheets, there are some exercises, there's a link to a spreadsheet that you can use to start doing some of the budgeting exercises that are listed. And I really think it's a great tool for anyone who has any interest or curiosity or need about the idea of budgeting in general, because the premise of a lot of the things that I'm talking about in the book is that there are ways that you can adjust your relationship to budgeting just by putting in some theoretical framework that doesn't necessarily require you to do, you know, track your your budget every month. And I think that it's that monthly tracking that kind of like goes into forever that feels so overwhelming about the idea of budgeting. But I think that people can have some real wins in terms of their spending just by getting some theoretical framework and to be able to take that forward into the rest of their life and not necessarily, you know, have to sit down with a spreadsheet every month for the rest of their life. Amazing. And I'm so excited to dig into my physical copy that I have. I'm going to have my own little money retreat, financial retreat at the end of this month too, as I like sit down and plan everything out. So, okay. Yeah. So you can sign up for the course at bit.ly slash GGC times money, witch. GGC is capitalized. The M is capitalized. And of course, we're going to link that right in the podcast notes and on our site. Where can people find you besides that lovely course, Jesse Susanna? People can find me at moneywitch.com. They can find me on Instagram at money.witch. They can find me on YouTube at slash moneywitch. And all of my other little offerings, my magic, money magic products, my zines, my courses, all of that stuff is all linked off of the website. So that's, you know, and also off of the Instagram. So those are great places to go as sort of like a hub of the rest of the information. Well, thank you so much. This has been just like overloaded with juicy nuggets of info and wisdom. So I really do appreciate you taking the time to be a part of the podcast, Jesse Susanna. Of course. I love being a part of the Girl Game Craft community. Yay. Thank you. Talk soon. Talk soon. Thank you so much for listening to the Girl Gang Craft podcast. Head to girlgangcraft.com slash podcast for show notes and more. See you next time.